This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Thanks for joining us. All eyes on Carrow Road then as pre-season is brought to a close at Anfield with the Reds seeing off Osasuna. Coming up, we'll be getting into the winners and losers of pre-season for Liverpool as Jurgen Klopp assesses his starting lineup options ahead of the season opener. To get into all of that, we have our Echo Sport overlord, Joe Rimmer, digital senior football journalist, Theo Squires, and Blood Red writer, Matt Addison. Gents, I hope you're all well. And uh, Joe, I'll throw over to you first. We've seen sort of pre-season come to a close with that doubleheader at Anfield. What did you take from the games? Um... Both really, really encouraging. Um, yeah, came away really, really encouraged by performances of a number of players, really. Um, last night, well, you could pick any number of them, couldn't you? But um, obviously, Costas, Chimikas, um, playing ever so well at left-back just 24 hours after um, Andy Robertson went down with an unfortunate injury. It was brilliant to see. Firmino, I thought, looked on form. Minamino played played very, very well. Um, obviously, Ben Woodburn, um, Sean... Ibrahim Kanate, I thought was excellent. Thought looked really good. Um, looks like a, a young Joel Matip, the way he dribbles the ball out of defence. Really good passing, dominant in the air. Um, I thought Nico Williams played well last night. I mean, I'm pretty much naming every member of the team, but, um, you know, I, I think that's fair. I think they all played very well. And then on on Sunday, I mean, it was it was a stronger Liverpool team on paper, wasn't it? But they, they just played... You know, they looked on it. They looked. Their pressing was good. Their movement was quick. But all right, they can see the goal. The goal and didn't get the win. But I think on another day they'd have scored a few. And um, you know, they did concede a few chances. But when the changes come, you expect that in preseason friendlies, don't you? So, yeah, you massively encouraged. And, and going into um, to Norwich on Saturday, I think there's probably, I mean, five or six players there that that can that can make. Um, a claim to want to be in the starting lineup. Um, we know Chimikas will play now, and you know a lot of confidence in him after seeing him play on last night. And you know the likes of well, you know the, any number of midfielders will make a will, will want to play in the in defence. I mean, your guess is as good as mine in, in terms of which pa- partnership he'll go with, because obviously Matip and Kanate, the fitter of the two, um, but Van Dijk and Gomez both coming through game both games quite well. Um, and look fit. So, yeah, I mean, really encouraging. And, and Liverpool sometimes just remind you how good they are, don't they, in pre-season. I think we all, you know, get distracted by transfers. And, you know, I, I never like to get too, um, you know, too demented over some of the, the deals that the clubs are doing. But as the summer wears on, even even the ones of us that don't get too excited over transfers start to think, come on, Liverpool, do some business. But then when you see them play like that, it kind of reminds you that, you know what, even if they go into the season without any more signings, they're still a hell of a team and can still make a huge impact on this league. And I think people will sleep on them a little bit. You know, I think transfers distract people and there'll be a lot of people now saying, say, United, that United are a better side than Liverpool. But I honestly don't think that's the case. And I think watching Liverpool in the last two days has reminded me just how good they are. So, yeah, um, very, very positive and just at the right time. A lot of confidence going into the new season. Yeah, definitely. And Theo, I suppose one of the, the real big sort of confidence boosters as well, you were at Anfield for the games, was 
I suppose Monday night side was effectively the B side for Liverpool, as it were. But you wouldn't really have told that, would you, with the quality on show and I sort of say B side tongue in cheek, the likes of Roberto Firmino in there, Ibrahima Kanate, Alex Oxley Chamberlain in the midfield. I think he sort of really showed what he's all about back in that role. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, oh, sorry, start again. Good thing we're not live. <laughs> <laughs> Jurgen Klopp, um, he made it very clear that fans didn't need to choose one or other of the games because the teams are both going to be equally strong. And it was one where when you saw the bench for the first game and you realised the number of players that weren't there, you realised just how strong Liverpool have it in reserve. But then it's one where, it's, is it a B team or is it just because players have come back for pre-season at different times? I'm sure we'd all have assumed that the front three against Bilbao will be the front three against Norwich. But then Firmino goes in a performance like that and you think, well, maybe it's just because he was back like a week late. Could he actually still be the first choice? Like They've both got goals, they're both in form. He's got some tough decisions to make. And then the centre-backs, we've assumed all along that it's going to be Matip and Canate just because they've got the, the fitness in them. But then Van Dijk's coming through and he's looking pretty decent. Joe Gomez had a good game last night as well. They're all staking claims, as Joe's pretty much just said as well, and he's listing half the team saying how well they all played. But then that's what you want as a manager going into this. I said it on the debrief last night, splitting the squad up and doing these two games back-to-back was the best thing Liverpool could have done because it made sure that all the players at least got a good hour in the legs to show what they could do and they could find some rhythm. And it's ones where you've got even players like Ben Woodburn who you just assumed wouldn't be anywhere near this squad. You're now thinking, actually, he could be a pretty decent squad option if they need him. And then staking claims for the likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby Keita. It's the pre-season Liverpool needed after so much uncertainty last year with the season finishing late and then a brief uh, pre-season and then all these international tournaments as well. They've had so many of their players back that they've been able to just play out throughout the summer, get some fitness in them, players back from injury and they're looking on form. It's one where Liverpool have always had the numbers. It's whether you can trust the fitness of the numbers they've got in reserve or the quality to be that consistent. And they haven't quite lived up to city standards. But then when you're looking at the players now coming through pre-season unscathed, like the ones who've been injured in the past, Oxley Chamberlain, Naby Keita, and they've put in inconsistent displays. I think well, on paper, this Liverpool squad is one of the very best in the league. City probably still pips it, but United have got holes in that team. Chelsea have got holes in that team. It doesn't matter if you're spending 100 million on Lukaku or what 75 million on Sancho. Liverpool have done their spending in the past, and that's why the players are there in this team. This one where it's just going to get stronger and stronger the more games they play. And the fact it's going to be so hard to pick their team to face Norwich is a testament to what they've all put in in pre-season. Yeah, and I suppose that sort of strength and depth that Liverpool have, Matt, was only underlined yesterday when you sort of see Jordan Henderson and Thiago coming off the bench and, and giving what we'd sort of seen the night before as well. Last year, it felt whenever there were injuries, it was a case of, right, rush these guys, get them back into the, the team as, as quickly as possible. But with arguably two of the, the nailed down three midfield options, having not started either of these two games, and yet Liverpool looking in controlling in both matches, it, it sort of goes to, I suppose, only underline the point that I was making there. Yeah, I think it's obviously promising, isn't it? You need a squad to be able to compete and, and Liverpool want to be across as many fronts as they possibly can next season. I'm sure, you know, at the moment, it sort of looks like you've got two completely different 11s. I think there's still a few question marks. I still think they could do with 
with at least one more to, to come in and, and add to that just because you know we don't know what is going to happen with Naby Keita, for example. I think he's had a pretty good preseason, but the, the biggest thing above anything else is that he's just been fit, he's been available and he's been able to play and we just don't know how long that's going to be the case for. So I think there's, there's still a couple of question marks, but yeah, in terms of, of on paper, the numbers are there, the quality is there. I was really impressed with Minamino as well yesterday. I think he's one that... You know, probably heading into the summer off the, the back of a, a fairly sort of average loan, I think, at Southampton. Started well, tailed off a little bit. You kind of wondered what his future was going to be. But I think I've seen you know enough from him over pre-season to think that, again, he could be a good squad option. And obviously the, the issue with him was never that he was injured and, and unavailable. It was just that he couldn't quite manage to, to take a, a grip of a game and, and really influence it. And I think last night in particular, but you know, in, in a couple of these pre-season games, he's taken chances... I think he's the joint top scorer, isn't he, during pre-season. He's, he's taken those opportunities quite well. And I think he's sort of played himself into a position of, of strength, really. So, yeah, Liverpool have got loads of options. It's not going to be the same as last season in terms of the volume of injuries and, and the knock-on effect of that. And as Joe said before, I think you know one or two people are kind of sleeping on them in terms of you know the, the level of, of squad that they have. As I say, I've still got one or two question marks over one or two players in terms of, of their fitness, but... Generally speaking, it's it's been as perfect a preseason as, as Liverpool could have hoped for. And the fact that we're kind of having conversations now of, you know, could Harvey Elliott play at the weekend? How much will Jordan Henderson play? Will Thiago be able to start? The fact that there are those questions is is a good thing because it just as you know, as we've all said there, it, there are at this moment in time at least a lot of options to pick from. Just yeah, to we follow were, on there yeah, from yeah. Um, Minamino, we think of um, Simicast and Oxlade-Chamberlain as well. For They've had these doubts over them for so long now, and it was a case of you just assume that they'd be up for sale in the summer and they might move on. But who knew that Liverpool coaches and manager actually knew what they were talking about when they were saying they might not be playing much, but they look really good in training. The only reason they haven't had the minutes this season is because of the injuries, and we can't give them the opportunities because we need some stability. But... Simicast looks great at left-back. We're really pleased with how he's settling. Oxlade-Chamberlain's being great. He's fresh, he's staying fit, and he looks good up front or in midfield. We just haven't been able to start him. And Minamino as well. Oh, he's not really had a great start to his Liverpool career, but he became he came mid-season when we were storming to a title, and then we had the pandemic and everything, and he's a new country, a new culture. Give them all a full pre-season, having had that training session, and they all look like they've been playing for the club for years, and you wouldn't have any problems if any, all three of them started against Norwich, really. So yeah, well done, Jurgen Klopp. You actually know what you're talking about, who knew? I think that's yeah. that's probably why you know last night was probably more important in terms of the way that that fans are thinking about it and actually saying you know Simicast and, and these players are are really good. I think it's probably calmed a few nerves from a, a few people going into the season. But as Theo says, obviously Klopp and, and Pep Linders and, and all of those guys they knew that. That's why they haven't been you know completely active in the transfer market, going after five and six players because they know that that Liverpool just don't need that. Yeah, Joe, you kind of got to temper it, isn't it? Preseason counts for nothing. But we have spoken all the way through preseason of saying how important it seems that this preseason has come at the time it has for Liverpool to kind of hit the reset and get everybody fully up to speed. And I suppose we have sort of begun to sort of see that kind of thing play out. The preseason, I suppose, whole campaign and programme for Jurgen Klopp probably couldn't really have gone better, obviously, bar Andy Robertson not picking up that injury. Absolutely, yeah. I was going to say Andy Robertson's injury is the one sort of blotch on this preseason, isn't it? But if you look at preseason, I always think you want several things. Don't you? you want um, players to get fit? Obviously, you want them to find rhythm. Um, obviously, you want some some players who perhaps haven't um, staked the claim in the past. 
to do that. You want young players to sort of step up. And, and that's happened for Liverpool right throughout the summer. You know, you, we've obviously talked at length about the players who, who've stepped up like Minamino. But some of the young players, I mean, you just mentioned him there, Harvey Elliott, playing in a new position. And, you know, I don't think there'd be anyone that would sit here and argue against him starting against Norwich. You have someone like Cave Gordon, who's just burst into our consciousness now. And you think about him now going forward this season, you'd like to see him get some chances in the Cups. Um, obviously, Nico Williams, he's a player that could leave Liverpool, but he's done very well. And if he does leave Liverpool, he'll he'll leave on the back of some good form and perhaps with a few new suitors. If not, then he stays and, and becomes, you know, perhaps gives himself more confidence to be a solid option. And um, who am I missing there? I'm missing another young player, Ben Woodburn, of course. Ben Woodburn, who's, you know, has relaunched himself, um, you know, his, his Liverpool career perhaps and given himself another chance. So there's loads of, you know, there's loads of young players there as well that sort of stood out this pre-season. And then obviously the fitness, we've, we've seen, you know, Van Dijk, Matip and Gomez coming back. Um, and then the rhythm. That was the most impressive thing for me in the last couple of games is the rhythm, you know, the way they attacked. They moved the ball quickly. They pressed well. They looked like an energetic Liverpool side that perhaps at times last season was missing. And I think, you know, with the, the amount of injuries that piled up, the amount of games that they were having to play, the form that they were in, no wonder they stuttered last season. But as you've just said, they needed the summer to sort of like blow away the cobweb, start again. And then to see them play like they have in the last two days was hugely encouraging because you thought, you know, they are still capable. And, and you know, it, it's easy to forget that, isn't it? It's easy to think that signings are the only way you can sort of improve. But sometimes going back to basics and, having a good pre-season, getting a bit of fitness, having a break can help. So, yeah, really encouraged. And just to pick up some of the lads, Minamino, I think what Matt was talking about there is spot on. I think we all know he's got ability. You can see the way he brings a ball down, his touch. You know, he's got a low centre of gravity. Um, but the thing about Minamino is you always want him to impose himself onto, onto games. He did that at Anfield when he came to play for um, uh, RB Salzburg. Um, he did that, you know, in the, in the reverse leg, but he just didn't seem to do that at Liverpool. And, and and I do think it's easy for us to all forget that these are young guys coming from all over the world who are, you know, you know, not really even fully grown men yet, and they're having to sort of like try and settle into new cultures. And to do that during a pandemic, it's really difficult. And then we expect them to perform straight away. So, you know. Perhaps it was just tougher for him, and, and hopefully after a preseason and and showing what he can do, it will fill him with, fill him with confidence, and he can get another chance at Liverpool. I mean, I still think there's all you know, there's there's every chance that Liverpool could get a decent bid and move him on. But if he does stay, um, he's given himself well, he's done himself the world of good, hasn't he? So you know, really pleased last night to see him get involved, to be showing for the ball, making good runs, and taking chances with shots, and he, he gets his reward with a deflected goal. Is the cross for the um, the third goal was just superb. But the, the, the run the with his weaker foot as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was great. Yeah. So really, really pleased for him. Um, so there's there's just a lot to be positive about. You know, obviously, as you said before, preseason we shouldn't get too carried away, but the signs are good, and that's what you want from preseason. You want good signs. It doesn't necessarily have to be five wins, but if you're seeing good things, I think that bodes well for the season ahead. 
Yeah, definitely. I think just to, sorry, just to, to jump in on, on Minamino, I, one thing I've noticed with him this preseason is he just looks a bit sharper. He looks a bit more physical. He looks like he's a bit more confident in sort of imposing himself. And I was there last night at a couple of sort of rows back from, from the pitch and you could just see that he just, I don't quite know how to describe it, but just in terms of protecting the ball, getting his body in the right shape, in the right position, receiving the ball, as Joe says, demanding it off his teammates. He just seemed a little bit more confident and, and composed on the ball and it, his body shape was a little bit better and I think that was something that kind of frustrated you a little bit in the Premier League that he just looked a little bit lost at times physically but I think that the signs are certainly there the question now for him is just is he going to be on the pitch enough to show that consistently next season because let's face it there are four players who are going to be in that front three ahead of him The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Yeah definitely you said it on the debrief last night about him that actually the way he held off the defender before getting his shot off and scoring. Maybe you you wouldn't have expected that. But Theo, I, was, I suppose just kind of casting the net a bit wider, and I suppose we'll, we'll probably go into this in more depth on Friday's podcast, more of sort of a, a preview of looking around the division and, and stuff. But I, I suppose a lot of people may rule Liverpool out off the back of just last season, albeit they did finish third. But previous two seasons before that, they know the course, they know what it takes. The squad now feels as though it has evolved a bit. You can't forget that Canate has actually been brought in, but just because Liverpool aren't leaving their business a bit later than some of the others to really get their first marquee signings in, Liverpool, I suppose, will be looking to pick up on that complacency that, that others may have. Yeah, like Liverpool have always been at their best when they've been underdogs, when you don't expect them to. And it's a tag they've lost in the last couple of years. And it's what they had last year. Everyone just assumed they'd win the title again. And it's when they're still top at Christmas, even though they'd lost Van Dijk. They are superhuman. And that's when it started to slip up, when they got more injuries. But when you write Liverpool off, they can beat anyone. Like They love that atmosphere, don't they? Like, you think, just need to think of Barcelona, the 4-0. That's an impossible game to win. They went and did it. That is what Jurgen Klopp just needs to show them in every pretty much team talk, doesn't he? Look what you have done. Look what you have achieved. You can beat any team you face. And that includes PSG with Messi, Mbappe, Neymar, uh, Gini Wijnaldum and all this world-class quality. It just shows what sort of side they're built. And we talk about big money spending across the division. But Liverpool... I know it wasn't going to be very uh, popular with some fans, but they've done big business as well. They've tied Trent Alexander-Arnold down. They've tied Alisson down. They've tied Fabinho down. If any of these three were coming to the club now as new signings, then there'd be huge excitement about it. It's just the fact that Liverpool did this business a few years ago to be in a place where they could compete for titles in the first place. Not Harvey Elliott as well. If he wasn't already a Liverpool player and they just picked up an 18-year-old who tore up the championship last year, who they thought was going to be a big international when he went and spent 20, 25, 30 million on him, there'd be excitement about that too. Just so happens Liverpool have acted early. They've got the players in ahead of the game. They've got Harvey Elliott in when he's only 16 for, what, 4 million. Who cares if he's not costing 75 million because he's gone to Germany, played for Dortmund and then come back much better doing it the Liverpool way, having them in early, getting them in as club trained, homegrown, getting them as part of the setup. Like you look at Elliot, he's, he's only 18, yet he looks so mature in that midfield when it's not even his favoured position. He's one where you just think of, that's why Liverpool have been able to compete for titles because they built this team and it's been together for so long. If it weren't for the injuries, they would have been up there very much last season. That's why they were still top of the league after losing Van Dijk for a couple of months. But yeah, write them off at your peril. We've said it time and time again. And if 
teams want to forget that and take it for granted and think that big money signings just mean automatic success. Let them do it. Liverpool won't be complaining because they know what they can do when they're written off. As, as Theo's just said about Harvey Elliott, I'm not being funny. Jude Bellingham, you know, goes from the yep. Championship to Dortmund for 30 million euros. How much would he cost someone now? 80 to 100 million, probably. And, and Liverpool don't want to pay that. Liverpool, and, and who can blame them, really? Liverpool want to get in there before he goes to Dortmund for 30 million. They want to get in there when he's 16, 17 and do what they've done with Harvey Elliott. If I, I mean, look at the way Harvey Elliott played the other night and how he's done in the Championship and just everything you've seen at Liverpool. How much would you pay for him? You know, you'd be you'd be willing to pay 30, 40 million for him because he's he's got such a high ceiling. And I'm telling you now, Harvey Elliott's the real deal. You can just tell. And, and you know, you can talk about your Sanchos and your Bellinghams and Elliott might be just a little bit further behind them. But I think by the end of the season, you know, we'll be talking about him playing for England, that sort of thing, because I just think he's that good. You look at the way he played the other night, the way he controls the ball, the way he moves around the pitch, the way he's confident enough to take certain shots on and make certain passes he never hides. You know, he, he is a special player. And I think he's the real deal. And I think Liverpool don't get enough credit for getting in there first, getting it done early. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people will be, will realise that by the time this season's been and gone. Yeah, no, definitely. I think he, on topic of, of what we're talking about, Matt, he's probably the biggest winner from pre-season maybe for, for Liverpool, isn't he? And you keep an eye on the youth set up at, at, at Kirby and what they are doing. And I suppose like to Kai Gordon and Mateusz Musilowski, albeit we've not seen him during sort of first-team pre-season. But this is kind of, the, I suppose, the transfer model Liverpool are going down, not needing to buy them right at the top, but bring them in, as Theo says, give them a year or so in the academy, then start integrating them into the first team. And then they can come in and be bona fide sort of star players, as, as Joe says. We may well, at the end of the season, be talking of Harvey Elliott as one of those. Yeah, I completely agree with Joe. I think, you know, by the end of this season, we're going to see Harvey Elliott in a really different way, whether that's in midfield, whether that's on the right. I think he'll probably get minutes in in both positions, which, again, I think can only really help in terms of of his development and and the way that he progresses. I think it'd be interesting to sort of see where he ends up. Obviously, you look at at Kyde Gordon and and Musilovsky and those sorts of players coming through. You wonder if if that might mean that that Harvey Elliott's long-term future is in midfield. But, yeah, like you say, it's the transfer model, isn't it? Mateusz Musilovsky he didn't feature a huge amount. I don't, did he even play at all? I'm not sure. In the I don't early, think he played, was, did he? Went on the tour, didn't he? But I don't think he did. Did he pick he was, up an injury or something? Did yeah, Pep Linders was, was very quick to sort of say that, you know, he, he hadn't featured a great deal because of, of this injury. That was why he was one that, that was sent home. But again, he is certainly one to watch. And, and Kate Gordon as well, I thought was was absolutely brilliant yesterday. I think just being so so quick and, and decisive. And we've said it before. Uh, I think we said it last week on, on the podcast of, you can just tell with him that he's played senior football before. Very sort of similar to Harvey Elliott in that he was in the championship at, at 16, playing matches, not regularly, but but certainly being on the bench, being in and around it. And I think you can really sort of see that he was was comfortable. He was at home, I think, you know, to, to be at Anfield in front of, of 40,000 people and, and play as he did at 16. It, it just sort of shows everything you need to, to know really about the, the temperament of him. So... I think, yeah, for, for, for all three of those players, there's there's a big future ahead for them. And look, the, the worst case scenario is, you know, Theo mentioned there, it's what, four million that, that Harvey Elliott was bought for. We think he's going to be a success. But even if he hadn't have become a success, you're not really losing out a huge amount. You probably sell him on for, for more money. There's just sort of no risk, no no sort of gamble there. It's it's all all reward. So, 
yeah, I think it's it's a hugely exciting time. I think Harvey Elliott is is the one for this season. It wouldn't massively surprise me though if Cade Gordon was not too far behind him. Is it not yeah, a what... throwback to the Liverpool of old? Do you think of the boot room under Shankly, Paisley and that when they're buying in these players from non-league or the lower leagues for these small fees and then putting them in the reserves for a couple of years and then they go and spend 10, 15 years in the first team becoming club legends? Like We, we haven't seen them live because we're too young for that, but we know all the legends, don't we? Like Rush, Whelan, even like, so I don't know, Craig, Craig Johnson, it's like the whole way through. You've got so many random names. That Liverpool team of late 70s, early 80s was built up of that success. Steve Nicholl, like they've all got champion, well, European Cup winners' medals. They've got league titles to their name. Granted, the market's changed so much now, so it's not plucking players when they're a bit older from the lower leagues. It's when you're getting them from the academies. But it's still giving them that um, space to breathe in the reserves, learn the game, learn the system, and come up into your school. And you think, well, Harvey Elliott as well. I saw him a couple of times for Blackburn last year, and it was still hot and cold in moments. But it was still partly because he was a level above who he was playing with. Like He'd play a great pass, and his teammates just weren't on that same wavelength. And it makes him look a bit rubbish because he's overhit a pass. And really, it's because he doesn't have someone like, uh, I don't know, Andy Robertson or Trent running overlapping to get on the end of it and putting in a great cross for a Mohamed Salah or someone like that. It just shows how quickly these players can grow. And the fact that we don't know where Harvey Elliott's best position is going to be because he's just gone in this completely new position and looked like he's straight out of the Barcelona academy with a, a Xavi Iniesta sort of thing. It just shows that he is going to be proper talent, a real deal for Liverpool for years to come. And just because he's not a scouse or anything, it doesn't matter because he's still a proper Liverpool fan, isn't he? Like We saw him, how much it meant to him when he was being substituted, lapping up all the attention, applauding all the crowd, when he was giving his boots to fans when at the end of the game, when he's come back out to sign autographs, pose for pictures and all of this. He was, very, he was in those stands, wasn't he, only a few years ago. He knows what it means to those fans. And he is just loving being part of this Liverpool team at the moment. And this is just his first full pre-season. Give him a few months and see what he's doing then. Yeah, what are you expecting of him, Joe, though, for this season? What 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 should Harvey Elliott be targeting? What, 10, 15 Premier League starts maybe and maybe 25 involvements through the course of the season? And I suppose he's been playing in the midfield, which is, is brand new to him, but certainly where he's been playing before was either wide on the right or even maybe as an heir to Roberto Firmino through the middle. I don't think he'll probably want to be staying in that midfield for too long and eventually maybe kind of get bogged down into the functionality of it, albeit I don't think his sort of natural personality or playing style will kind of go towards doing that. No, I think, to be honest, um, Josh Williams has written a good piece for us on him and, and how he could be used. And if he's playing in midfield, you know, there was a time when, when Klopp used Coutinho and played almost unleashed like a, an attacking four on teams and, and overloaded them. And, um, you know, there's a chance that he could be doing that with him. We've seen him use Shakiri there in the past. Um, we've seen him move to a five to, to use Shakiri there, so he, he could do that with Elliot. So it's interesting that he's experimenting with him in this role, um, because there must be you know, there must be a method to it, mustn't it? He must have an idea going forward of how he wants to use Elliot. So, yeah, I mean, but but in terms of what to expect this season, yeah, I think 10 to 15 starts, 25 appearances. Cup games, playing in some of the, the more straightforward, if you like, Premier League games um, and, and playing in a number of positions. I think playing in that midfield role would be good for him, but it also will be good for him to, to have a go on the left, have a go on the right and 
offer Liverpool many different options and many different solutions. So, um, you know, I, I think, I honestly think this will be a breakout campaign for him. I, I just, every time I see him, I think he's special. And, you know, the, the other night just underlined it. And playing in that midfield role, <clears throat> in my opinion, in a Liverpool team, is so much more difficult to play in, in, the, in the wings. You know, I know you've got a lot to live up to when you're playing behind Mane or, or Salah, but like you've just said about midfield, you know, it can be very functional. There can be a lot of running and it can almost be harder to stand out because you just sort of give the ball onto the front three, don't you? But he did that and that speaks speaks volumes for him, you know, and if he can if he can provide Liverpool with some goals from midfield, with some a more assists from midfield, I think that's something that they have lacked in recent seasons. So, you know, can, can you, you know, I, I can see him starting against Norwich. I can see him starting against Norwich because if you look at it and you think, I think Fabinho will probably start. Henderson, I'm not sure whether he'll start. He came back a bit later. Thiago, I'm not sure. So, you know, I think Elliot's probably the fittest of the, of the, you know, of those four players I've just mentioned. So it could be any one of those two with Elliot. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start against Norwich and just try and overload them and, and go at them because you expect Norwich to be to struggle defensively, don't you? And the last time Liverpool played Norwich in the opening day, they just overloaded them and, and, and put a few past them early doors. So I wouldn't be surprised if Klopp tries that on Saturday. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It'll be interesting to see how it does play out. Well, we, we've thrown out a, a number sort of, of names for players who we've been impressed with through the course of pre-season. Matt, one that I wasn't expecting to talk about at all, almost forgotten that he was a Liverpool player, was Ben Woodburn. But last night in particular, he obviously replaced Curtis Jones, who may be on the other side of what we're going to talk about shortly on the podcast. But Ben Woodburn, he's into the final year of his contract. We all remember how brightly he burst onto the, the scene at Anfield. But Pep Linders has, has spoken about him. So too is Jurgen Klopp and made a really good point of, actually, you look through this Liverpool squad and as Theo was mentioning before, kind of how Liverpool of old would bring in players from lower leagues and leave them in the reserves. Sometimes they were a bit later until they made their breakthrough. Andy Robertson, a prime example. But maybe there might be a role for Ben Woodburn. I really like him, I have to be honest. I think he's he's a player that's always, always impressed me. I think he's one of those players though, that kind of fits into that gap of he's clearly far too good for the under-23s. I, I saw him a lot at the, the back end of last season playing for them and he was clearly you know, the, the best player on the pitch every single time. But he's maybe not quite good enough to, to come in and, and do that sort of Harvey Elliott role. I think for me, he's... At, at, at worst, a, a top-end championship player, possibly even you know a Premier League player long-term. But I'm just not quite convinced that he's going to get enough opportunities at Liverpool. He could stay and, and maybe get a couple of, of cup games. But if Liverpool were to go out of the EFL Cup early doors, you'd, you'd maybe worry a little bit for, for what it might mean to him. So it wouldn't massively shock me if he was to, to move on before the end of the window. But it has been a really good, really good reminder, really, of, of just what he can do. And, you know, as you say, it, it seems what was it, five five years ago, something like that, yeah. that he, he, he burst through and, and scored that goal against Leeds United and obviously came through as, as a forward. He plays a lot more in midfield now. I really sort of like him almost in that Harvey Elliott-type midfield role, kind of creating and, and being a bit more free to, to go and, and do what he does. But yeah, he's, he's one of those players that I think certainly would have been probably moved on before now, just 
if he hadn't have been quite so unlucky with with injuries. He was, I think, was at Oxford United, wasn't he, a couple of seasons yeah. ago? Had a, an injury, came back, and then had the same injury and, and basically missed, you know, at least sort of half, three quarters of, of that season. So he's been so so unfortunate. There is a real player in there, and I think you know that there is possibly long term a Premier League player in there. Um, but I think for for me, before the end of this summer, as much as he's done well, I don't think he's done quite well enough. To sort of convince me that he could be a real squad option for Liverpool. But look, if, if somebody was to come in for him at the top end of the championship, they'd be getting a really, really good player. Yeah, especially with only a year left on his contract, maybe that will dictate that Liverpool will look to, to cash in before the month is out. Anyway, let's talk about a couple of the players then who pre-season maybe didn't quite go to plan. Theo, you, you hinted at it last night when we spoke. Curtis Jones, I mean, it feels kind of harsh saying it, but big mates with Harvey Elliott having been in the 23s of them a couple of years ago and the two of them ripping it up together then. But it feels as though now Harvey Elliott's kind of leapfrogged him in Jurgen Klopp's thinking maybe. Yeah, it's one where Liverpool had so many injuries last year and he had that run in the team um, pretty much when the form went apart. But he was playing consistently. He was getting goals in Champions League. Remember, the was it Ajax at Anfield? He got a big goal yeah. in that game. And he looked a real player. And then when they got the likes of uh, Thiago back from injury, he didn't get as many minutes. He was out the team a bit more. But you thought, that's fair enough. It's normal for a player of that age. He's still finding his feet in the Premier League. And it will take him time to be someone you turn into every single week but it was a good season for him and they think well you build on that in pre-season you've still got the likes of Thiago and Henderson away on international duty you will get those opportunities but Jürgen Klopp pretty much stayed with the, the same midfield of Milner, Cater and Elliot as the first choice and then you've still got Oxlade-Chamberlain there as well so it's one where well, the senior players that he was getting opportunities ahead of last year because he was fit are now back and they seem to be ahead of him again it's one where, well, has he dropped down the pecking order? He hasn't lit it up as much as Harvey Elliott. He's still a very talented player and you know he will get opportunities, but he's one where it's like, well, where are those minutes going to come from? Because you know when everyone's fit and on form, Klopp's starting first choice three will be Henderson, Thiago and Fabinho. And then it's all, it's all very well turning to him off the bench, but you might favour the experience of a Cater or an Oxley-Chamberlain. You know, Joe said that he might put, um, he'd fancy Elliott against Norwich. But I'd imagine Cater's the first choice there if one of Henderson or Thiago isn't ready to go. So it still shows the competition that's there. And that's without considering the fact that Shakiri could have a move full through again and be back in the reckoning for a midfield role. Minamino's played there before. This one where the injury didn't help him, did it last night? Like he was properly in the wars. He'd been fouled a couple of times and he took the blow to the head. Probably just a precaution. Like you'd have to take off in the Prem game anyway because of a concussion sub. And so you're not going to risk it in a friendly but it was an opportunity for him to stake a claim and he didn't. He wasn't able to do that. And now what's he going to have to wait for? League Cup third round? You can't really see him starting a game before then. But he's shown his talent before. He might have to be patient to get a proper starting role again or wait for injuries. Um, but that's what's happened for Liverpool in the past. You're not going to have every single player in the squad fit from now until May. So he'll come again. He'll have a second coming at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. We've already mentioned kind of Andy Robertson and Costas Simicas and their pre-seasons, I suppose, kind of playing off against one another. Robertson absolutely fine until obviously getting the injury, but Simicas looks as though his good form through pre-season is going to be rewarded. But another couple I wanted to, to throw together, Joe, were Loris Karius and Divock Origi in pre-season, maybe not quite going to plan. I know 
Loris Karius, he was involved in those first friendlies, but sure, surely primary objective number one for him was find a new employer. That's still not the case. And Divock Origi may be in a, in a similar kind of boat. Yeah, in terms of Divock Origi, yeah, I think it's been disappointing for him, hasn't it? Where you've seen other players like, like Minamino that we've mentioned sort of stake a claim and show that perhaps he's not ready to be moved on. I think Origi, you know, he missed a good headed chance last night and just isn't doing quite enough to suggest that, you know, he can, he can carry on at Liverpool. I, I think if Liverpool can get a suitable offer, I think the best thing for all parties would be to move Origi on and look for some sort of replacement. Um, you know, and I think that's fine. I think, you know, Origi's had a good Liverpool career. I just think when you're not playing every week, it's, it's easy to go stale. You know, Shakiri's seen it as well. And I think they need to go away and play some more football and, and just rediscover their form. So, you know, look, I didn't expect that much from Origi this pre-season and he's kind of done exactly what I would have thought. So which it's just struggled a little bit. In terms of, in terms of Karius, you know what? I feel a bit sorry for him. You know, I think here's a player who, Look, I'm not saying was a was a great great goalkeeper and was ever going to be a long term Liverpool goalkeeper, but one game has changed his career, hasn't it? One game has completely wrecked his career, you know. And, and I think he will probably never recover from that. The biggest chance of his life, and he made two of the biggest errors that you'll ever see. And you know, he's never recovered. He's he's found it difficult wherever he's got on loan, and he, we know his level is better than perhaps he's shown elsewhere. Um, because he was playing ever so well before he came to Liverpool. You know, I think he was, the, the year before he came to Liverpool, voted one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga. And well, He was also in Man City's book as a real yeah, young player, yeah, wasn't he? You, yeah. I mean, he's 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 undoubtedly got yeah. talent. And, he's, and since he's gone back to the Bundesliga and, and he's struggled. So I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for, for him. I, you know, I'd love to read his thoughts and, and, and learn more about him because it, it must be very difficult for him. And, you know, I think... It's a tough one now because, yeah, I think he's going to have to really sort of drop down and, and start again. Um, you know, I think they will move him on before the window closes. It might be one of them that goes down to the wire. But, yeah, um, slightly sad, um, sad career since since that day in Kiev. No, most definitely. And another two might be heading for the exit door. Matt, final point, not involved in either game. Nat Phillips and, and Jordan Shakiri. that sort of, seeming to be a very heavy hint that they will be moved on before the window's out. Yeah, I'd say it's it's a heavy hint that there's a strong possibility, if that makes sense. <laughs> I think it's it's certainly not not sort of done yet and, and you know, it, it wouldn't sort of shock you if, if either of them stayed. I don't think Liverpool would be absolutely desperate to get rid of either of them. But I think if they can sort of get the best part of, of 25 million or, or so for the pair of them together, I think... You know that would that would represent a, a good sort of fee for for players who, let's face it, are not going to feature a huge amount. I've I've been sort of very clear. I know it's it's quite harsh to, to move Nat Phillips on this summer, but I just think his his value is never going to be as high again. I think it, it's it's the right time for for him to go capitalize on on what he did last season and, and move on and, and be probably a regular Premier League player, possibly you know a Brighton or somewhere somewhere like that. I think that would would make a lot of sense and. Yeah, I think it's 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 the right time for, for both of them to, to go and, and move on. Uh, be interesting to see what happens with, obviously, the offer from Leon if, if they can get up to, to what Liverpool want. Again, I think that would be a pretty good move for, for Zerdan Shakiri. I think that's that's probably a club that would suit him. I think he's, you know, 
possibly a better player when he's sort of one of the better players in the team and, and he's a regular and, and it's sort of built around him. And I think that's something that they could do certainly far more than at Liverpool. But yeah, both of them have, have played their part. I think, as I say, Liverpool wouldn't be absolutely desperate to get rid of either of them, but it's the right time, I think. And as long as the right money comes in, I would expect that that probably will happen. Yeah, and then the transfer wall chest will be bulging and breaking at the seams and it'll be time to spend, spend, spend. Well, we'll have to wait and see what does happen on the transfer front. Do make sure to keep across the Liverpool Echo website for the very latest. But from myself, Guy Clark, Joe Rimmer, Matt Addison and Theo Squires, thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.